1: It is the word of Landrew.
0: Joy to you, friends, and thanks for joining us here in Standard Orbit, Trek of Him's dedicated show to the original series. My name is Drew, or Landrew, and this is my co host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hey, what's up? Well, today we're going to do our last interview ever. Well, on, on Standard Orbit 1.0. Yeah. But this is the final word. This is going to be it. This is what we're going to talk about on Phase 2. And to talk about Phase 2 with us,
1: we have Ben Robinson.
2: How's it going Ben?
0: It's good. It's
1: good. It's a nice uh, dark Sunday afternoon here in London.
2: All right. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us. Now for 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 people who who may not be familiar with you, you're I'm I'm sure they're familiar with your work, you know, in in addition to doing the the Star Trek magazine back in the in the aughts you know mm-hmm. which was a great magazine you're you're also the guy responsible for all of these amazing eagle moss starships which everyone is obsessed with because they're awesome
1: oh well that's very kind of you to say so yes but, but yeah that is i am that that guy um <laughs> and um before that i was one of the launch editors on the star trek backflips which i think some people know about in the u.s certainly was a big thing in the uk and even in japan um, and I wrote a couple of Haynes manuals as well. I did the Enterprise and the Klingon Bird of Prey uh, Haynes manuals.
3: Cool. So I've done
1: my time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and 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 one of your one of your passions inside the world of Star Trek is Phase Two, yeah, the series
1: that never was. Right? Yes, I mean actually, or Star Trek Two, as it was just known back then. Um, oh really? Yeah. Well, wow. they didn't call it I... Phase Two back then. It was because. They just thought two was perfectly reasonable because there wasn't a movie (laughs) that would be confusing. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, I think it probably would have just been called Star Trek. Um, The scripts have a little Roman numeral two on them, and that's what all the memos Hmm. say. But I guess they they just called it Star Trek.
2: I guess that makes sense. I mean, that's what they did with Mission Impossible, Hmm. right? Yeah, why not? When they relaunched it, they just called it Mission Impossible. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, for for those people who aren't uh, familiar with what Star Trek II was going to be, like, what was it? You know, I mean, just basically speaking, what was it?
1: Well, so Star Trek gets cancelled in 1969, and then it goes into reruns, and people start watching it, and it becomes this phenomenon, becomes a big deal. Uh, and Paramount become interested in making more Star Trek because it's in syndication. It's doing really well. uh, But there are only 79 episodes, which is low for syndication. Uh, And it's, you know, it's this big deal. So they're thinking about making more Star Trek and they keep going back and forth about whether they're going to make a new TV show, whether they're going to make movies. Um, You know, this is all in the mid-seventies, I guess. Um Gene had been off and had made a couple of other things at Warner Brothers, so that's uh Bit Planet Earth and Genesis Two. Um and neither of which had really got anywhere. Uh, he'd been resistant to doing more Star Trek, I think. He kind of felt that was over and it was time to move on and do other things. But people keep coming back to him and saying, We want to do more, we want to do more. And eventually, in about 1976, 77, um, there's a decision made that they're going to make a TV show. There've been a couple. I I think you guys have talked about the fact that there've been various attempts to make movies, and there are some really interesting people involved in those movies, like Ken Adam. And you know, there are great Ken Adam sketches for one of the movies. Um, But anyway, they decide uh, in uh, 77, that 78, that they're going to make. This Star Trek TV show. Uh, And Gene assembles a writing staff um, that basically consists of him, uh, Harold Livingston, who um, went on to work on Star Trek The Motion Picture, but there are reasons for that. It's really because he was working on a TV show. Uh, And Gene's um, kind of personal assistant at the time, John Povell, uh, steps up to become... Uh, The kind of Dorothy Fontana, if you will, of of this show, the the story editor. Hmm. And they get pretty far into making the show. Um, They cast it, they build sets, they commission scripts, they have pitches, um, and they're absolutely ready to go when Paramount made the decision after Star Wars um, that actually they want to make a movie after all.
2: All right. So okay, there's a lot there. <laughs> a lot <laughs> yeah, there. Sorry, it me. was a it was
1: a kind of complicated question.
2: <laughs> no, 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 yeah, for sure. And it's it's a complicated time as as we've learned, you know, over the past uh, few weeks. But okay, so so in terms of like the concept of, of the show, like the actual like show pitch, I guess if mm. you will. Um, it was basically as I understand it, kind of like Star Trek the motion picture the tv show right i mean kind of like that era that sort of
1: i think it's actually probably more accurate to say that it's season four okay it's All like right. season four of the original series um i think the budget would have been more like the budget for a tv show not the massive budget that uh star Trek: the motion picture ended up having um it certainly wouldn't have been directed by robert wise um, yeah. And had the most expensive special and visual effects in history at the time. Um, <laughs> so it's a much more modest proposition. Um, it, it's updated, but it's probably the best. Like, the best way of thinking about it is that it's season four of the original series. Okay. Um, All right. And when you look at the really early stuff that I've I've been looking at recently. They are still hoping that they're going to get Leonard Nimoy to come back and be Spock. So there are pictures for the stories that have Spock in them. Um, and then that becomes apparent that that's not going to happen because Leonard has other things that he wants to do. And this isn't a compelling enough offer to make him step away from them.
2: So so originally it was gonna be sort of more along the lines of just like getting the whole crew back together and, and it being its thing. And then when when Nimoy steps away, is that when they added like Deckard and Ilea? Uh,
1: well, I'm not Decker and Ilea the interestingly, Ilea actually um the name Elia as opposed to Ilia is actually the name of the young Vulcan. Uh, in the really early things. So they have this idea that there's going to be a young commander, um, a kind of a a Riker, if you will, a Decker Riker character. Um, And John Povell told me the reason for that was because um, the network was worried that at 40, Shatner was too old. Isn't that (laughs) shocking? (laughs) Um, Uh. So um, that's kind of mad. (laughs) But there's a concern that Shatner at 40, 41, I guess, is is an old man to be an action hero, which is just unbelievable now. It's like kind of Mad Men territory. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, And then the other thing, I guess, this is true, and I, I don't know whether anyone's actually, anyone's ever confirmed this to me, but David Gerald had written um, World of Star Trek. In which he points out that one of the big logical flaws in Star Trek is that the captain just goes down to the planet and leaves the ship in the hands of whoever happens to be standing around that week. Um, and that actually there ought to be a kind of chief scout character who um either is the deputy captain on the ship and has the experience, or leads the the landing parties. So I think the idea of introducing a kind of um good-looking young lead. Kind of young Kirk type character um, comes from those two those two places, um, and again in the early early drafts he's actually just called the young commander. Um, you've got whole pitches which just say the young commander does this or does that, and then he becomes Adams for a while in some of these pitch documents, and then finally Decker, um, who is obviously meant to be Matt, Matt Decker's son uh, from the Doomsday Machine though not all of the yeah. writers who were pitching seem to have understood that because there's one story involving his father who is someone totally different.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, wow. <well. laughs> so they're there. And then I think that they probably had always wanted to introduce more... Um, Attractive women. I think that was something that was always high on Gene's list of things to put in a TV show. What? Yeah, can't imagine And it's you know it's also a more um, a feminist era where it seems a little strange, perhaps, that Star Trek didn't have a a, a significant female character in the original series. So yeah. um, they introduce the character this, this alien navigator, um, Ilea, who is. Uh, From the pictures, no one seems to know much more about her, apart from she has some kind of telepathic powers. I mean, if you think Deanna Troy, but doing Chekhov's job, um, Mm -hmm. then you're going to get pretty close to where you where you'd expect to be. Um, And everybody else is back. Uh, Chapel's become a doctor, Um, but everybody and Chekhov has become head of security, Um, Uh, a role that didn't really exist before. Um, and everybody else is doing exactly what you'd expect them to do. So you've you've got Sully, you've got McCoy, you've got Scotty. And the only thing you don't have is Spock, which is obviously quite a big thing. But
2: wasn't there a uh like a young Vulcan science officer to take his place Absolutely.
1: So this to me is the most important thing about this T V show as to whether it would have worked or not, is how good this character, Zon, would have been. So, and I, I find Zon is like, for me, he's like the great lost character of Star Trek. He's, he's envisaged by Gene Roddenberry. He's cast by Gene Roddenberry. They actually cast this actor, David Gauchero, um, who goes through all the audition process. And there are, um, I think on some of the DVDs, you'll find um, the Blu-rays now. Uh, you can see his uh, audition uh, oh, to wow. pay Zon. Uh, he has. He wouldn't have had the kind of hair that he has in the audition um, he hadn't had his hair cut to Vulcan style but he's meant to be this 22 um, year old Vulcan straight out of the academy who looks a bit like Michael York um, and he's a full Vulcan uh, and they're obviously trying to say well look we can't just replace Spock with a, another Spock so we have to yeah. come up with a a way of doing Spock that's different so he's he's younger he's a full vulcan and he's kind of got this this kind of proto data thing about him because he he realizes that in order to serve on a ship of humans he's going to have to try and understand emotion so he's trying to experiment with emotion and there are scenes where he's like practicing laughing or smiling Um he's trying to to see why a joke is funny and he doesn't get it so there's there's quite a lot of data in this character um but he's also got this fantastic sort of spock kind of air of superiority as well um when I, I interviewed David Goucher, who's a really, uh, he's a good interviewee, has a lot to say. Um, and he, he's, he's really interesting. And I think it would be, it's a great pity that we never got to see him. And I always think that they should just have cast him as a guest character on, on one of the shows. And I'm always amazed that they didn't. Uh,
2: Does, doesn't he have like a really small role in the motion picture? Mm, like, isn't he like one of the guys at the beginning? Or yeah, he's like Commander
1: that? Branch. So um, when they get the message from Epsilon 9 that Vidra is that's, approaching, that's David. Um, okay, all right. But he, he's, he has a lot of very interesting things to say about being cast. He said he'd never really watched Star Trek. He was, he was straight out of uh, acting school or even just out of college, I'm not sure. So he's like 21 or 22, and he, he's got this person. He hasn't even got a proper agent. He's got someone who can get him into these auditions, and he he goes for these auditions, and he suddenly starts to realize as this carries on that like everybody in Hollywood, every hot young actor in Hollywood is auditioning for this role, and he says he's never watched Star Trek, so he doesn't really get what a big deal it is. And then he gets it, um, and he's cast, um, and you know he gets fitted for costumes and he um <laughs> he, he has conversations with gene roddenberry about how it's going to work and, and all of these things um and he he told me this fantastic thing saying you know he was really worried about how do you play a character who is um unemotional he's saying what well, you know what as an actor am i going to do here i don't want to just be a robot and he said that um someone i'm not sure if it was gene said to him you, you have to imagine i think it was his acting teacher said that, you know, imagine that it's like a record player and that the humans are all stuck in the wrong groove. So ever you try and talk to them, you're trying to shift them over to the right groove to I try and you know, they just don't get it, and you're trying to, to explain it to them in some way. So you know, I think that's that's really interesting. Um would it have worked? You know, I just you don't know. I mean Spox Yeah big shoes to fall
2: oh. <laughs> that's definitely true but may- maybe it's one of those scenarios where since they got someone in there who like was not aware of the situation you know he might have been not intimidated by it you know and and, and would have been able to step up because he was basically oblivious to what was going on you yeah know?
1: and i think also the character seems different enough in the way that Data is different enough mm-hmm. that you're not just going to say oh well, he's just a you know a whip off and a not so good version you know he's a lot younger um there's more a different kind of comedy uh, from him than there is from spock uh he doesn't have that kind of divided self kind of thing going on um it just, I think, it just comes down to, and he's got Gene Roddenberry to guide him as well. I think that's the other thing, which you know, um, not many, not many people have had since sort of nineteen eighty eight, nineteen
3: eighty
1: nine. Um, so you know, th- th- I think there's every chance that they might have pulled it off, um, but who knows? You know, that's the great unanswered question of of this TV show.
2: So. It seems like you know, hearing you know, hearing this, and then also you know, just sort of other things that we know about it. There was like a lot of what would become, especially early next gen, in this concept. Um, and it's weird because I mean. I you, I I don't know I always just think about it sort of like even like aesthetically and stuff like that like how would it be different from these shows but I mean there's there's obviously kind of like a, a, a shift in Roddenberry's you know worldview people often mm. talk about how like Kirk was Roddenberry in the 60s and Picard is Roddenberry in the 80s you know that sort of thing and I'm just wondering like tonally I mean, do you think it would have been more like the original series with that sort of action swashbuckling thing, or do you think it would have been more pensive like Next generation? I think
1: it would have been much more like the original series um, and yeah. potentially even more action oriented because they had a slightly bigger budget. Um, mm. They want action, they want drama. There's a lot still sort of, you know, they they don't have that sort of next gen thing of all the shipbound shows. Um, and you know, the, the, the older captain figure is, is Kirk. I mean, it's not like there's some kind of like really grown up, mature guy. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying something about Kirk. Here. Um, <laughs> there isn't this kind of, you know, um, old wise kind of head on the captain, particularly he's still the kind of same inspirational action adventure, ladies, man, um, Kirk that we knew. But there is something going on which makes it more like Next Gen, um, which is that I think that Gene has had, by this point, I guess, nearly 10 years to think about why Star Trek has been successful. And he has some theories now that I don't think they had when they were making the show. So, you know... By 1973, I guess, I don't know, 72, 73, Star Trek is a phenomenon, and people keep saying to Gene, why, what is it about the show that's so great? And he has to actually kind of come up with answers. Whereas I think when they were making the show, they just wanted to make the best TV they could make. Um, and there are, you know, Gene wants to make things that mean something, that are about something, but he doesn't have this kind of fully worked out philosophy of the future. And you start to see in this TV show the beginnings of that, that his belief that they will always find a peaceful solution is one of the things that keeps coming up in the moment, that they will be superior, that they will be more sorted than we are. Um, But they bicker, you know, they tease one another, they have disagreements, Decker and Kirk... Uh, have little shouting matches in some of the stories in which they're disagreeing about how to go about things i mean not not you know they're not at one another's throats but there isn't this kind of next-gen insistence that everybody gets on all the time and there's no real interpersonal conflict
2: okay so in terms of the the design and Mm -hmm. everything and visually speaking i I know that that you've done a lot of research in terms of like what what was going on with the art direction and everything right
1: yeah i mean i don't know as much as i'd like to know um it's they they brought back they tried to get matt jeffrey's back but matt was working on little house on the prairie which was his absolute dream job he told me he said that was like he would not there was no way he was leaving little house on the prairie Um, him and my (laughs) yeah well he was and matt was having a great time it was all the kind of stuff that he'd been had as a kid when he was growing up and he loved all that stuff so matt agreed to redesign the enterprise um so there is in fact it quite often turns up as as motion picture art but there is actually a a kind of a, a matt Jeffries redesigned version of the enterprise which is kind of halfway house between the motion picture enterprise and the original series enterprise um it's got kind of you know he's flattened the has made them these kind of um rectangular rather than round i guess um and he's made some refinements to the the shape of the the body but that is and then he designs a shuttle i think as well Uh, a new shuttle that's more kind of bit more sort of Buck Rogersy a bit more, got a bit more budget to it. Uh and that's kind of his contribution. He's like, Well that's that's all I'm yeah, it's all I can do for you because I'm 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 having too much fun with Mike Landon doing Little House on the Prairie.
2: What was it was it going to be the same enterprise yeah. or was it? A no, absolutely ship? it's yeah. the same
1: okay. ship. Um it, the okay. idea is that the the enterprise c I mean, the the motion picture is adapted from the first script, from the pilot script. Yeah so a lot of the story if not the the way the story is told is the same for the opening Mm -hmm. you know for the pilot um so yeah so the idea is that the ship's come back it's gone into um it's had a refit but that instead of kirk being promoted to admiral and you know given a desk job he's going back on board the ship um now um but he has a new first officer who is Dakar, he has a couple of new crew members, um you know, so Zon and Ilea, and he's going back out there. Um uh, for his second five year mission.
2: So okay, so so Matt Jefferies designed the the exterior mm-hmm. of the ship and, and the, the the shuttle, but what were they planning on doing in terms of the interior?
1: So, uh, Mike Minor uh comes on board to redesign the interiors but they basically look they kind of look the same i mean they're they're upgraded um engineering gets quite a big boost there are again on the um the director's edition of um the motion picture, which is only on DVD because they didn't do it in a high enough resolution for Blu-ray. They've got the test footage of that. And I think it's also on the um, TNG Season 3 DVD. And they, there's actually test footage shot in the new engineering, which hmm. kind of looks quite like the TNG engineering set, more much more so than the, the motion picture engineering set. It's got a vertical hmm. warp core um, and walkways around it. Um, and they've got some corridors. And a bridge, which is kind of I think pretty much the same as the motion picture one, but just a bit less detailed. I think that they were able to you know they got a much bigger budget when it became the motion picture and they were able to um to go in and upgrade all of that stuff um, there are there are actually some some shots from in the motion picture stuff where you can see people on the bridge of the Enterprise wearing original series uniforms. Um, which I guess are just there only a handful of them. They're just kind of um, you know, lighting tests or or I guess set tests, and they didn't have the new uniforms they were gonna do for the motion picture at the time. But they had made yeah. you they had made new uniforms which look like the original series uniforms for for, you know, phase two as we now call it. So it it looks pretty much like a slightly kind of spruced up I was gonna say modern, but I guess it's nineteen seventy-eight modern um <laughs> version of the original series.
2: But the costumes they pretty much kept almost exactly the same as they were. Uh, that's my
1: understanding. Um, yeah. Um there are references yeah. to green costumes in, in some of the um in some of the scripts, and one in particular in Savage Syndrome. Um but i I'm never quite sure whether they just mean the gold teal ones and someone's got to, you know, misunderstood the colour. Um Mm-hmm. But uh, and th- I think there was also some talk about shifting the divisional colours around as well. So, like on TNG, that you know that that could be that um, people are wearing gold in in engineering in red in whatever. Um, yeah. But yes, I think that they as I understand it they they would have been pretty much, you know, slightly altered versions of of the original series uniforms.
2: Interesting. it's It's such a a weird thing because, I mean, you hear about this, you know, the pilot being the same story as motion picture and you just kind of get this image in your mind, especially since motion picture feels very sort of like 70s and it's in its visuals and the, the sort of contrast of like those sets with the sort of very 60s era uniforms, it's. I don't know there's just something in my brain which has trouble uh, I, the thing
1: to, the thing to <laughs> remember to remember might that. help you a bit on that one is that the the bridge set, all the sets actually uh, in Star Trek Two are exactly the same sets as they are in the motion picture. they're just lit differently i mean yeah. they've got a new you know they've got a new yeah. of paint they made the contrast a little more and I think if you think about it looking like like it does in Star Trek Two more than the way it looks in the motion picture. That's probably going to give you a, a slightly closer idea of what it would have looked like.
2: I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's an interesting way to think about it for sure. Okay, so now let's get into into the the nitty gritty here <laughs> with these stories because I think that's what people are really fascinated about. Now, um, you you said that you've found a lot of the the pitches mm-hmm. and and whatnot and a lot of the scripts which which existed. Um, what? What was um, okay? There was the pilot, which which was pretty much a version of the motion picture you said, right? Pretty
1: much, yeah. So the pilot, which is called "In Thy Image," um, is about Vijay coming back to Earth. Um, It's it is different. Um, I mean, well, there are multiple. There are a couple of different drafts of it. Um, In the the draft that i like the most i guess um, um it's video is actually not the probe that has been upgraded but uh a ship from the the machine planet that is bringing the probe back um it's i mean one of the things i find slightly odd about a lot of these scripts is that they seem surprisingly like original series episodes so you know, I don't know where I mean I wasn't I was only ten when I went to see the motion picture, so I didn't think this, but um you know when you go and see that you kind of think, well, Vidra is nomad, you know it's mm-hmm. the same story, and that kind of crops up a little bit in in some of the other stories that you sort of saying, well, actually, this is very like that episode or whatever, and I guess people you know people didn't have blu um, blue rays or on demand kind of stuff um, back then, so the chances of people having seen those episodes that were ten years old were smaller, and people didn't didn't worry about it in quite the same way um but
2: well, that's even kind of something that they did, like yeah, what, Next you know, just because yeah. it's the same studio and everything. Like with um, Mission Impossible, wasn't the pilot for that like an adaptation of one random episode of the show? Oh, or I don't something? Know, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, I, th- I think, I, I, it seems like that was just kind of like the thing to do, you know. I, I don't know. I mean, they even do that in Next Gen yeah, with the uh, Naked yeah, exactly. Now, you know. Yeah. So. So so there were a couple others which we've seen in some form mm, or another, right? Yeah. Like like the child Yes, so there are and... two others.
1: There's The Child and Devil's Due, um, mm-hmm. which are both pulled out as episodes of TNG. Um The Child isn't altered very much because the reason it was pulled out is because of the Rider Strike and they were desperate to get something into development. So I mean Decker and Decker and Ilia and Riker and Troy are very similar characters in their, their conception. Um, there's even a thing about, in the I think it's in the writer's book for, for Phase 2, that Decker is a bit humourless and can be a bit of a martinet. Um, and there's a the thing when uh, Jonathan always talks about with Riker that they told him not to smile. Um, <laughs> he was like told off for smiling throughout the first season of Next Gen. They're like, don't smile! Um <laughs> So there, there are a lot of parallels and, and Ilya also has these kind of vaguely defined telepathic powers that are like Troy. Um, my my favourite thing about Troy was um, Herb Wright, who was one of the most insane interviewees I ever had, was talking about how really difficult it was to work out how, what her mental powers were. And they said and they just kept reducing them in every episode until it said he got it down to the level of a dog you know like the dog just goes <laughs> there's something wrong with this guy. Um, and, and I think you have similar you can see them sort of struggling with similar problems with Ilya. but yeah so they're their exact counterparts and in the child you're just able to to swap them out and to to use that script which is pretty pretty close um, but what's a little unfair I guess is you have to remember that all the scripts that existed for phase two were only kind of first drafts Um, Mm. you know they Mm. would all have had a bit more work done on them um, apart from well apart from the pilot in the image which gets rewritten to become the motion picture Um, and I guess somewhere there will be Harold Livingston's draft of that script that is what they intended to do on the TV show before he and Gene tried to kill one another rewriting it for the motion picture (laughs) and they really did try and kill one another I mean it was was a bad bad story (laughs)
2: Uh, but I, I imagine it's an uh, other yes, other and stories. one that you can never you can,
1: Harold Harold is so profane when giving you the story that <sighs> it's impossible to ever repeat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so so Devils Do was the yeah, other one, right, which is kind of weird because that came like way later in in next. Yeah, Gen, I, right? I'm not
1: quite sure why they pulled Devils Two out. I know um, Ron always told me like by the time you got to episode seventeen or eighteen of the season, you were just like, well, "What are we going to do?" What can we do? There's nothing left. And they're all sitting there looking at some idea that Michael Piller had bought and going, I'm going to have to do that. They're going to give me that one. Oh, God, please, not that one. Please don't <laughs> let me have the one where they get turned into kids. Oh, God, they'll give me the one where they get turned into kids. Um, so, you know, there's always this point in the season when they are, uh, they're a bit desperate to try and find stories. And I guess at some point they went back and looked through all these things that they owned. Um and devils do seem to be one that they could adapt reasonably easily.
2: How how close to I mean, to be fair, I don't really remember devils do that that tremendously well. But how close to it was? I think it, know, it's um
1: next... it's reasonably close. I haven't reread it for a while, but um, it's a guy who's a con man rather than Ardra. It's it, it's probably it feels more like an original series episode uh, than than the tng version does um but yeah, i think in terms of the you know if you looked at the beat sheet it's pretty similar um it's not a, yeah. a wildly different story
2: so so what were some of the other ones which well the, which
1: we never the, saw the one the really important one um that would have changed everything is the kitumba uh, which is the two-part Klingon story um, written by John Meredith Lucas, who had been uh, briefly being the executive producer on um, season two of, of the original series, and he was, John Meredith Lucas was a great guy, he was a really um, talented um, writer and director, and he, you know, he's, he, he they loved this script, everybody, John Pogel told me that they just, they, this was just like this script was, this one was might have been the first draft, but it was perfect as far as they were concerned. They didn't really plan to make major changes to it at all, just a few kind of little logic things. Um I did reread that one. Well, I reread the the outline this morning. Um and it's it's a fantastic story. It's a really good story. Um and the idea is that the Klingons are gonna declare war on the Federation and a Klingon defector, I guess. Um, comes into the Federation to, to tell them this news. And you discover that the Klingons is not actually the name of the race. The Klingons are the, the warrior caste of this society, which is divided into, um, is three castes and then a ruler. So there are the Klingons who are the warriors, there are the Technos who always explains how did the Klingons actually manage to get a working spacecraft and get out into space without just killing one another. <laughs> so there was like a whole <laughs> cast of scientists. And then there's a cast of, um, I think, what are they called? They're, they're like citizens or something like that. They're not, they're, 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 they're but they're, they're the kind of the most looked down on who people but in the way, but they also have this much more luxurious life. Uh, and then at the head of all of this is there's there's a sort of ceremonial ruler who is the Kitumba, uh, who has all the powers that he, uh, political powers, that he doesn't actually exercise, and that there's the warlord who actually kind of runs the empire. And this this sort of a Klingon says that there is a the warlord has managed to um, ramp up to the point of war, and that there's this new Kitumba who is only seventeen and that the warlord is going to kind of bully him into um, approving the war i guess Um, and that their only chance is to go deep into the heart of klingon space and talk to the katumba who lives on this kind of um isolated planet with no no defenses because it's so deep in klingon space it doesn't need any um and persuade him that the warlord is is making a mistake um and it's got a ton of stuff about klingon culture um which is different i mean it's um it's sort of feudal japanese mixed with sparta um there are lots of things that we'd recognize they're quite keen to commit suicide klingons in this thing they can um, quite happily uh, going and removing themselves as they say when things go wrong um but it's real attempt to explore Klingon culture and to try and get some understanding uh, about them, and to to come up with something that makes more sense than just you know the the sort of moustache twirling bad guys. I guess that they're, they're worse they were in the original series. And if it had happened, everything would have been different. I mean, it just would have been you know it's just an extraordinarily interesting uh, path not taken script.
2: That does sound cool, and that was a mm-hmm. two-parter. Would it have, uh, I mean, I guess spoilers for this thing, which didn't. Ever get <laughs> <laughs> would, would would it have um, like changed the relationship between the the Federation and the Klingons? Uh,
1: uh, yes, um, it ends with. I mean, they, you know, surprise, surprise, they they managed to get to the Katumba and they managed to persuade him that he should call off the war, um, but. He doesn't suddenly become like, oh, yeah, okay, now we're going to be friends of the Federation. He's like, okay, well, you know, the reason we're not going to war is because we might lose um, at the moment, but give us 10 or 20 years and maybe we'll win. So I'm not just like your friend now. Uh, We might end up being friends. I I realise that you're much more honourable than I thought you would be. Honour is already a big thing for the Klingons in there. Um, So it's... It, yeah, it it puts them on a different footing, and much more. I mean, this again goes to Gene Jean, Gene's belief in optimism and things being good, and, and you know things will get better. Um, but yes, it, it would have it would have put things in a different place. But I think they were pretty clear they still wanted to keep the Klingons around as the big villains. Uh, interestingly, the Romulans mm. are in that story as well um and oh. they they yeah. wanted to sort of obviously restore the romulans as as villains uh so they turn up in quite a few of the stories actually rarely in a like in a major way they're just the kind of like the threat in the background that's interesting yeah man that, that sounds really cool what else, what else? <laughs> <there something> else? <laughs> um, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah there are like... there are some there are some really interesting sounding ones that they were obviously struggling with how to do so there's one when Decker builds a machine that he falls into, which seems a little strange, um, but it turns him into, <laughs> but it takes him into a two-dimensional place. So he is stuck in a, a parallel dimension where there are only two dimensions, um, and they chase him in there. And it's just, I mean, it's a crazy, um, crazy idea, and it's crazy outline, but it's so kind of high concept science fiction there's a thing where there are like people from this two, dim- two dimensional dimension if there's such a thing um, yeah. um are kind of walking around the ship and they they you can only see them from a certain angle um but that, that was one of gene's problems with saying well which angle would it be if they're any two-dimensional um, um that's really kind of high concept science fiction um there's um there's one that sort of really um reeks of, of Trelaine. There's one when they find an alien who is obsessed by um sort of nineteenth century English novels and has decided to call himself Lord Bobby, um oh, and geez. is like this kind of um eighteen nineties <laughs> kind of gent. Uh, Though actually they they were gonna kind of, they had problems with that one. I mean this is the thing that's fascinating about this is that you don't get to see that many kind of like here is the finished script because they were still working on these things and there are people suggesting why don't we do this with the story instead or do that. Um, and there's one when he in, they have this novel way of that same story evolves upon when they have that novel way of dealing with mental Ill, mental health problems where they. Brainwash you into thinking you're a member of another species and put you down on a planet where you will just be able to kind of like live the life of the, the other people and that will kind of cure you um, and he gets pulled up for that's that same story um, there's one where um the kind of the ancient ones you know that the the who turn up quite regularly kind of mentioned in the original series, but we never actually you know find out what their society was like. There's like a thing when
2: the the, like the, the, the Lovecraftian
1: kind of of, Well, no, well, you know, in like Rook and Andrea were made by the ancient ones. Um, there's this kind of, you know, there are, there are hints in the original series of some kind of lost civilization that existed in the distant past. Um, and they, they encounter this uh, planet, which where they've, they've kind of all been digitized and they try to take over, um, Try to take over the Enterprise crew, um, or turn them into them. It's it's a little bit confused, I guess, because again, it's not not finished. Um, I think that's a Norman Spinrad story. I mean, this is the other thing. So all these stories—they're written by you know—you've got John Meredith Lucas, you've got Norman Spinrad, you've got Jerome Bixby, uh, Simon Winzelberg, You know, the, a lot of these are coming from people who who wrote for the original Star Trek, and they're coming back, and it it is kind of you know, like I said, it's season four um what else is there there's one
2: well i just just kind of like jumping in there was was it kind of because i know that like tv was at least starting to change in the way that it you know it, it constructed its writers rooms and whatnot was it still kind of like the original series where there might have been like three guys and then the rest of it was just sort of like freelance people yeah. coming yeah, in. yeah it's exactly like that so okay.
1: um right. so the if you think of the original series and you kind of famously think of it as being gene coon um that mm-hmm. is now harold livingstone uh and yeah. then and uh, then there's a story editor so dorothy for a large part of the original series we think of as the the main story editor. that would have been john Pogel, and then you've got gene at the top of the tree you know, not necessarily right. um, doing a massive amount on each individual script, but setting the tone and the direction and, and you know, approving the scripts um, and yeah. rewriting some of them. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's very much that. And they are, uh, they're just getting these writers into pitch and, you know, all these pitches are, it's interesting, all dated. So I was trying to kind of piece together a timeline of when things evolve. But you realize that, some people know some things and other people know other things. It kind of depends, I guess, when they had a phone call or a meeting or whatever. So some people yeah. have Decker as Decker and some people have him as Adams even though their things dated like a month later. Um so I guess it's oh, a question yeah. of when, yeah. you know, when they actually uh managed to talk and were working on their stuff.
2: Uh, it's it's crazy. I mean, yeah, there's there's some so so much going on here and I, I know that we're we're running out of time, but uh, I mean, like, w- w- what to you is is kind of like the the standout of this of this show in terms of like what it, what it would have. I mean, a- as a Star Trek fan, I'm I'm having trouble phrasing this question, but a- as a Star Trek fan, like, what do you think this show would have been like as a viewer, like, I, in, in relation yeah. to the rest of the franchise? I mean, like, how do you think this would have changed? what had come
1: later. I think it's, You know, I guess the thing is, it's actually much more likely outcome than what happened. Um, uh-huh. You know, for someone to sort of go and take this failed TV series, which was how they looked at it, I guess, and, and go and make this, enormously expensive movie and and I have lots of reasons I can tell you about why the motion picture is so expensive and one of them is that it carries all the costs to the development for this TV show that all gets billed to the motion picture which is why it suddenly costs so much there are other reasons (laughs) why it costs so much Um, (laughs) but it feels like it would have worked I know, you know, Judy and Gar wrote their book about it and they were like kind oh it's just as well it didn't happen because it would have been NAF Star Trek in the 70s and And you know what it's not you read those scripts it's not like people like I mean I remember you know there are episodes of space nineteen ninety nine where it's like Peter Bowles and a pair of flares walking down a corridor in slow motion, and you just kind of think, oh what it, it's not like that it It is like season four it's what maybe season three should have been um mm. you know it feels like proper star trek um of the 17 pitches that I've read there are probably four or five really standout um, episodes ones that you think that would have been great I would love to have seen this and in fact some of them you think oh, they still haven't made that one like the two dimensional one they still haven't done that it's like oh, well, you should do that yeah. um, you know we should drop a line to Alex Kurtzman um, <laughs> but so it you know it's promising it it, it feels like i think it would have worked i don't know how many years it would have run for um but if you think one of the reasons the next gen was this huge success is because there wasn't anything else you know there just wasn't any good intelligent sci-fi on tv and this would have been that um so you know how many years would it have lasted maybe four five six years of of this and star trek then wouldn't have been three seasons would have been nine seasons and spock would only have been in the first three um
2: (laughs) and then and then what do you think i mean obviously this is pure speculation but let's just say as as someone who knows a a ton about the history of star trek this thing gets made instead of motion picture Mm. and it goes on for you know let's say five seasons then, so what, we're at like 1982
1: now yeah, or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. No T.J. Hooker, what? that's
2: what it means. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, Hooker. Oh no, well, I'm glad this didn't happen. <laughs> but uh, then what, what happens next for Star Trek? I mean, with it being at that point in 1982, what's the next logical step? Well, I
1: guess at some point someone would probably have made a movie. Yeah. Um. But... Whether they would have put Chatner in it, um, I don't know. I think maybe... Yeah,
2: maybe it would have just been like a Decker movie? No, I think, I think
1: actually... No, I just think they might not have taken the people who were in the TV show. I think that yeah. you might have had Kirk and Spock and McCoy, but it would have been like the J.J. reboot, you know, that they would have cast... Yeah. God knows who they would have cast, like, what, in 19... Let's say it gets to 1986 or 1987. Maybe Tom Cruise makes Star Trek instead of Mission Impossible. Um, I mean, I, I kind of think that's what Hollywood would have done. You know, I mean, the other thing that might have happened is that there might have been another Star Trek TV show a few years later. You know, maybe there would have been an equivalent of Next Gen without there being the movies. Um, I mean, so much depends on how successful the TV show would have been, Um, and that's you know, like I said, if if David Gattuso turned out to be great, if he turned out to be brilliant, maybe we would all love Zon more than we love Spock. Um, It's it's hard to imagine, but it, it could have happened um yeah but yeah it would have turned it back into a tv show i think um and i you know I, I guess at some point i mean now every tv show you've ever seen gets made into a movie um i mean you know the, i don't know if you saw it this morning you know netflix oh is it netflix or amazon uh are making lost in space tv show again um sorry that's my cat making all that noise um (laughs) that's okay (laughs) so i guess star trek would eventually have got there into into the same kind of place but it would have been it would have been very different i think um and i guess also gene's um philosophy might have evolved in a different way if the show had been on air i think um you know his his sort of complete devotion to a kind of pacifist future happened wasn't wasn't there in this show you know this is still a pretty yeah. military organization um Starfleet. um and by the time you get to t n g Gene's like, no, it's not a military organization at all you know he's constantly mm-hmm. complaining about the the military nature of the movies um so we would have had a more Red blooded Star Trek, I guess. Um, hmm. Kirk still, uh, you know, meets a, well, meet a girl in most of these episodes. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, that's, that's what's fascinating. Most, is this 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 moment in time? This kind of branch when it could have just gone off in this completely different direction, and then they made Star Wars. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. changed everything. Yeah.
2: It's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it, thank you very much for, you know, sort of giving us this glimpse of this, this alternate reality. It's a, it's a very Star Trek thing. to think, Yeah, yes, yeah, right? absolutely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it is a parallel but, reality this show. I mean, it's, you know, and there's, there's just enough. There are these little glimpses of things that that just give you a hint of what it would have been like. And like I said, there are actually, you know, they they commissioned 13 scripts. There are 17 or 18 episodes. There are pictures for, Um, there are designs for the Enterprise. There are, you know, there's there's a lot. Yeah.
2: it's it's crazy because it's not just like, oh, this guy wrote a script or this guy was you know, it's like almost a fully formed show that they just didn't
1: shoot Yeah, and they paid know? the actors. You know this that they paid the actors yeah. for like three years to not do anything else. Um <laughs> that's like that's one of the reasons that it didn't want to do it, is they just keep paying me to not do being things, you know. <laughs> like I just want to go and work. Um Yeah. But yeah, everybody else was like on a contract to not do things. Um yeah. And I think I I have to remember I'd have to look through my notes I think Persis Kambata was actually cast for the TV show. I, th- I think you're right about for that. Not for the movie. Yeah. So they, I know Decker wasn't, uh, mm-hmm. and I know you know I, I don't know if I told you this or whether you know this anyway. You know that um, that um, oh, I've forgotten his surname. Garrick, Andy Andy Robinson was yeah. was yeah. down to the last two for Decker. <laughs> that, yeah, really? So it was oh, him man. it was him and Stephen Collins. Um, oh man. And this is but this is a movie by this point. They've already decided it's a movie, they hadn't cast Acker. Um yeah. Uh, and I actually had the bizarre experience of getting to tell Andy why he didn't get the role twenty five years <laughs> later. <laughs> He's like no one ever tells you this. You never find out. They just say no. <laughs> um and it's because he wasn't blonde head and blue eyed enough. Um oh. No, and they wanted uh, they wanted Decker to be very kind of you know very square jawed and obvious kind of hero and uh, and Andy would have given that a little more of a, a twist I think as he said
2: I mean I, I guess I guess at that part he was at that point he was kind of known as like the Zodiac yeah he's the psycho right. from I the first Heron yeah so yeah <laughs> not quite the, the same uh, image they were looking for but yeah well, he was um, a young
1: good looking guy he had square jaw but uh, <laughs> you know he's I guess Stephen Collins was. Very blonde and very blue-eyed. Overly, Uh, yeah. So blue-eyed, you know. Apparently, they told me that his, um, they couldn't do blue screen with him because his (laughs) eyes disappeared. Really? Yeah. (laughs) It was a real problem. (laughs) That's
2: freaky. Yeah. That's freaky. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us. It's (laughs) been. Fascinating. I mean, we could talk for another, you know, like two. Yeah, there are certain scripts if you want to go through them one by one. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my. It's all right for now. But yeah, uh, yeah, that that would be awesome. But
0: we've people. We've people. You're going to have to talk to.
2: Yes. Yes. We 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 there there are other we we're leaving this show, but there are other people who are you know picking up our there. Our show is entering phase two, so believe me, there's going to be people to talk to about this for sure. But. In the meantime, uh, where where can people find you now? You've got your your Starship Collections thing, which is It's
3: right.
1: still, it is going, still strong. going strong, yeah, um, and. Uh... Yeah, what have I just got? I've got, to, we're doing the, um, I've got the Doug, Doug Drexler's NX01.5. Um, yes, uh, I've been roof. told to
0: ask about that. When is that coming When is out? it coming
1: out? Um, you know what? I never actually know. Um, oh, this is terrible. I, I, my <laughs> schedules, as far as I'm concerned, the schedule ends once it leaves my hands. And then I kind of know it's like oh, seven or eight weeks later that it gets into stores. Um, I'm pretty sure it's February in the UK. Um and it normally is about uh, six or seven weeks behind that in the u s so wow. um okay. i have i literally have the there are there are three of them in the world at the moment and they're not quite right so I have one of my mantelpiece which i'm looking at right now um uh. And, uh, <laughs> john at c b s has another one and then there's one back in the office um so that's that's happening um the the regular shuttle regular ships are, are cranking out. Um we've been I finally gave up on finding CG models for some of the things like I, all the the CG models for insurrection just got lost. Um and they were in incompatible file format and no one could open them anyway. Um but fortunately we have good enough reference that we've been able to rebuild those. Um so they're they're on the way. Um I have three ships from um, Star Trek Beyond, which I can't tell you anything about, but I have them. Oh, crap! Um, excellent. <laughs> um, excellent. <laughs> three. I, I'm not saying there are any three ships in the film. I'm just saying I have three ships. Um, okay. Um, All right. But where That's I cool. need to get those out as soon as close to the date of the movie as possible. Um, I have been putting in questions to CBS about how soon there might be something available for the new show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, ha- has no
2: th- yet. has there been? has there been any um thought to maybe doing i know this is kind of outside the realm but maybe doing like that design from star trek phase i really two? really
1: want to do that um yeah it feels like i guess doing doug's nx refit is kind of like open the door to that that we can yeah. do ships that aren't quite canon um mm-hmm. and i i really yeah i i do really want to do the matt jeffrey's enterprise um but at the moment, you know, we're kind of overburdened with specials. We've got a, an embarrassment of, of riches and I kinda of would like it to be a special. Um, but we might do it in the regular run. It kind of depends how many there are, really. And that depends on mm. how many, you know, uh, how long people keep buying them. So but yeah, I, I do really want to do it. Um, but I kind of worry sometimes. The the problem with this job is you don't want to just do what you want to do. You wanna do things that other people want to. Um Sure. Just have to hope.
2: But I mean it seems like I mean I I've I've heard a lot of people talking about the NX01, mm. you know, refit and everything. It seems like there definitely is a a desire for stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I know? don't
0: have any ships. I mean, I'll be honest. I've only ever seen ships. I've seen a couple in a store and I saw uh that I found an office uh at the base where I work at who had like 30 of them mm-hmm. and I was like, kept wanting to touch him, but he wasn't there. But like, I want this NXO
1: 1.5 so bad. Well, yeah, we could, we could probably arrange something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing. Is I mean, the, the, you don't know whether the people who really, really want it are the same people who are buying the rest of the collection. Um You know, yeah. they're definitely yeah. a group of people who really, really want it. Um there's definitely there was definitely a group of people who really, really wanted shuttles. Um, which, you know, we've done some of now. Um it, you just have to you know, you just have to sort of take your best guess and sort of go, Okay, this is what I think people will want but it's you know, you set some rules up. Um at the beginning you sort of say, Well, we're only gonna do cannon ships, we're only gonna do things that have been seen on screen and you know, there are plenty of them, so you don't you know, that's what we're going to do. And then then you start making exceptions. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of people who are lobbying for the, the, the Titan or the Aventine. Or, and, you know, actually, I think we are going to do the Titan because 5,000 people did sign the petition. So we are Excellent. going to do it. We, we <laughs> uh, One of the things I need to sort out when I go back to work next week. Um, but, I, I, you know, I'm wary of all of that kind of that pushing at the edges of what we do too much. Um, but uh, you know, an enterprise designed by Matt Jeffries, uh you know, there there are only that's two of I, those. So, or like the Macquarie
0: Enterprise.
3: Oh
1: well, that's canon. That right is it's in the, the deadly field, in the best of both worlds. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, two two versions of that. So that might be on my list. Um, <laughs> yeah.
2: It's uh, there's it's you you guys have done so many you know I mean there's so many like random obscure ships oh we like, haven't even done the even random know. obscure ships yeah. <laughs> like uh, like I uh, but every you know it's like I don't even know what that is you know it, it seems to me that like. You've gotten to a point now where you have a large enough fleet that, you know, you can start making these exceptions. Yeah. And I don't think anyone will complain. You know, I think people will be excited. I would be excited. I there, know are, there
1: are a couple of other. the other one that falls into this kind of category is the Daedalus class, which is just uh-huh. about canon because Cisco had a model in his office. Um, okay. <laughs> and the ring ship. That, you know the the ring ship enterprise, which is in the on the rack deck and in the motion picture, which I guess makes yeah. it canon. Um, there's that there's counts, a model. Yeah, of it yeah, we it, never it actually see the ship. Um, so there, are, and there's
0: a model of it in in the darkness.
1: Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, those are the, the ones that you know we now start to think about. I mean, I'm keen to um, alternate uh, fed ships with alien ships i mean i kind of you know stretch a point and include vulcan ships in the fed ships um and there are some things that uh, we're doing that i'm very excited about that never existed in cg before particularly in the vulcan uh, line of things one of which might have been in the motion picture. um all right one of which was in the motion picture. <laughs> um but yeah we're still having fun with that there's still you know there's there's more and we're talking about what else we can do with Star Trek that people would want um so yeah we 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 continue to look at stuff but there's 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 a lot we can do I think and and obviously i i you know beyond hearing some quite infused voices from inside CBS about the new show that's obviously something that I, we just, I don't know anything about it yet. Um, and, yeah. and obviously yeah. I have high hopes for, and, and, you know, would very much like it to be a success. And I think it's, it, it's very relevant to, to phase two as well, actually, because that's like, it's a very similar situation. Someone was in that you're trying to reinvent Star Trek. And I think they should put Zon in phase two and in, in the new show. That's <laughs> what they should do. They should put Zon in the new show. And in fact, I think David Gowtrow is still available. Uh, <laughs> he wouldn't be hey, a young man anymore. but. Um, you know yeah doesn't matter exactly right? yeah well, they should have you know <laughs> there are the, the one thing i think that gene was brilliant that was casting um mm-hmm. and i kind of think well you know this guy was cast as a vulcan by gene roddenberry and that's gotta that, that's gotta count for something oh yeah for sure for sure
2: all right well where else can people find you like on the the internet oh uh, well,
1: yeah that. well i i tweet still i've been uh i tweet pictures of the the ships i think that's where the there are nx01 refit pictures out there now and that's because i tweeted <laughs> them um and then uh, uh yeah so there i, I my twitter is ben cs robinson um and then obviously the facebook page for the star trek ships is there um we have our own hero collector website which in fact one of the big pushes for the next year for me is going to be building that up and trying to do more in the way of online features on there. Um So I'm going to be contacting a lot of my my friends. And one of the extraordinary things about Star Trek is how everyone's moved on to work on something else. Um oh, yeah. You know, and at one point, I think I looked around and realized that I knew five people who were running TV shows in, in America because they'd all started on Star Trek, you know. Um Yeah. Which is an extraordinary thing, you know, that Star Trek Star Trek ends up ruling the world. Um, you know, there are a lot of people out there. So I'll be I'll be pulling in a lot of my contacts on that and we'll be looking for content for that as well from people. So that that should be interesting. I'll let you know a little more when we get there. Um excellent. Okay. Um so yeah, I'm 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 where I was basically. I continue to be there. <laughs>
2: all right well cool well i mean i i know i I think i speak for everyone you know here at the network when i say like keep up the good work on those ships they're amazing and and thank you so much for for talking to us about phase two today or star trek two or star trek or whatever you want to call it um it's been fascinating yeah and uh yeah and uh yeah i mean we're even though we're not going to be here you're more than welcome to come back anytime i'm going to say that for <laughs> well it'll be a pleasure i enjoy this
1: i you can tell i quite like to talk so um, oh, yeah it's great i'm more than happy to talk about it though this places that uh, you've you've touched on a few of my passions, but there are many many more there's a Uh-oh. lot more star trek stuff <laughs> i can talk about until people stop me excellent excellent well, thanks again yes thank yeah. you well, well, thank you
0: Well, that was fun talking with Ben Robinson today. He gave us a lot of information that I didn't know, and teased other information that we probably shouldn't know.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it it was a lot of fun. You know, there there's always, um, you know, just just we talk about it a lot here, but. The, the Star Trek that never was, you know, and, and phase two or whatever you want to call it is sort of like the ultimate in terms of that, you know, because it was like a whole series and it almost happened. Like it came like really freaking close to happening, you know,
3: so mm-hmm.
2: I mean, that's that's pretty awesome and it's exciting and um, I, I I would love to hear what else was involved with that show, you know. It's just so much stuff. So much stuff. It's, yeah. Uh, it's great, great getting that, that sort of inside
0: look at, at what would have been. Yeah. But uh phase two is not the only thing we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. So here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. <laughs> They just happen to come at
2: just the right time, right? Or just, just the, wrong the right time.
0: time for it to be dangerous.
2: Like literally, like not even like that day, but like, like two minutes before <laughs> this
0: happens. The ready room. Here's one more thing
1: I want to throw out here for you guys. Recasting this episode because I know you guys like to do this on to the journey with things, with mm-hmm. series oh. and such. I think that Maab should be played by Will Ferrell.
0: To the journey Bravo to the holodeck Bravo to the holodeck Bravo to science Yes, for coming to the truth Commentary Trek stars
2: It's like, yeah, that's, I mean, commentary Trek stars We can say that's, you see, it's a commentary on Trek star No, it's because our other show is called Commentary (laughs) Trek stars, okay? And we were being cute
0: The 602 Club
2: I, I had a real fear when they first introduced that character that um,
0: she was going to be the, the opposite of what you had just described, Matthew, that, that she would be too young for Bond, that she would be a little wet behind the ears, that, that, it, that we were going to fall back into all these cliches that I thought we had just broken
2: by having uh, the Monica Belushi character there. But I was so relieved that
0: they constructed somebody who had a lot of depth. Women at Warp. So we went in and pitched, and I have to say that was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. I have scrubbed in on brain surgery. It did not frighten me as much as go as waiting outside Gene Roddenberry's office getting ready to go in and pitch to him. Meta Trex. That would have just been a grand moment if, uh, you know, George Takei would have played Tuvix, you know. And and when the transporter accident happens, he's standing there in those colorful clothes and just says, oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.FM. So check out these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or you can just stream from the website. You can visit trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. Mike, I understand that we have a voicemail.
2: Yes, we do. It's from Brandon. Not, not, not my Brandon. Not your Brandon? Brandon. But, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, the Babel Conference is Brandon. Okay. So, uh, here, here, hey, have a listen.
3: This is a message for the guys at Standard Orbit. I just wanted to wish you a fond farewell and thank you guys for such a wonderful program. Uh Everybody out there that listens to Trek FM is going to miss you guys very much. And I just wanted to thank you for having such an informative program that covered all aspects of Star Trek. And thank you for your wonderful episodes with Mark Cushman. It's been an absolute joy listening to you guys. And as for your last email contact you got from a listener, I don't think your guys' show was too slow. I think it was the perfect speed and I love being able to hear both of you guys talk at all times. So congratulations on a wonderful run of 110 episodes and I look forward to listening to more stuff from you guys in the future. So live long and prosper. It is the will of Landrew. P.S. Drew, you have the greatest laugh in the world. P.S.S. Michael, I love the lost world. <laughs>
0: That's pretty great.
2: Thank, thank you very much, Brandon. Um, I, I, I know that uh, Drew ap- appreciates, um, that you appreciate his laugh, and I definitely appreciate that you appreciate the Lost World because no that movie does, is a masterpiece. And I don't care if no, it's not true that no one else does. They're coming out of the woodwork. It, it, it was always me and or my you... friend Josh. Okay, because Josh was always like, yeah, Jurassic Park that was good and then like he'd watch it more and more and he's like you know what this movie isn't really that good and then lost world came out and both of us were like this movie is the bomb and no one else thought that no one else except for you know what i discovered Marcello from the talk film society he yeah. loves the lost world uh, almost as much as me it's See? like
0: it's like we've got this litmus test now and like you are leading this this like like mutant underground or something of of lost world lovers, and i don't
2: <laughs> all all the cool kids love are the like lost are you world. the next
0: generation you're either you know the outcast society or you're like the you are the brotherhood of mutants you're the you're the next generation
2: it's it's just it's just one of those things you know i I have a feeling that this is gonna be you know kind of like i mean there's a lot of movies which are, are like this where you know. No one appreciates them when they first come out. And then, you know, as time passes, people realize the brilliance of them. And I think The Lost World is is one of those movies. And I'm just proud to say that I was ahead of the curve on this one, you know, and uh, I, I loved it since I saw it, you know, the day after it came out at McClure Court. And I always will. I really want to do a commentary for it, just a solo commentary where, you know, I can I can talk about why it is so I,
0: great. Yeah, I would be interested. I would I would I would rent the movie and sync it up just to for that. But I've not done that.
2: You might as well just buy the movie because after you hear what I have to say about it, you're going to be like, "Oh my god, he's right. I need to
0: own it." They do make four packs now. I was impressed. Like immediate, the ultimate collection now includes Jurassic World, whatever it's called, the Lost Jurassic World.
2: Yeah, that's two two movies two movies too many, uh, as far as Jurassic Park movies are concerned. You know, you don't need four movies. You just need two.
0: Yeah, you just need one. Uh so if you wanna leave feedback like Brandon not Mike's Brandon did, uh you can uh you can You can go to speakpipe
2: dot com slash Trek Fm. Really? And leave us a voicemail there.
0: Oh, cool. You can also go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose Send a Show and choose Standard Orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. Uh, you can also find us on the Facebook group, The Babel Conference. And you can find the FM Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash trek.fm. And on Twitter, also under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you outside of Trek.fm or on FM, As your case is... is.
2: On Trek FM, you can find me doing commentary Trek stars with uh, John. Right now, we're in the middle of our look at Simon Pegg's work as a writer. Uh, we just did Hot Fuzz uh, last week. You can find that episode now. And uh, on Friday, you will be able to find our episode on Run, Fat Boy, Run. And you oh. can find me on com doing commentary Trek star babies. And you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K.
0: And you can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E, and in various other places around the internet. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor. HubSpring us bring Standard Orbit to you each week, and our sponsor for the show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive and Federation, Audible has something for everyone. And Mike, I have something for everyone. Oh, cool. It's called uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, Mm -hmm. Star Trek Movie Novelizations Book 2. Interesting. Interesting. It's written by Alan Dean Foster, narrated by Alice Eve. It runs for 8 hours and 55 minutes, and it's unabridged. Excellent. The summary is... Uh, the official movie tie-in novelization of the highly anticipated sequel to 2009's blockbuster feature film Star Trek. Pioneering director J.J. Abrams has delivered an explosive action thriller that takes Star Trek into darkness. When the crew of the Enterprise is called back home, they find an unstoppable force of terror from within their own organization has detonated the fleet and everything it stands for, leaving our world in a state of crisis. With a personal score to settle, Captain Kirk leads a manhunt to a war zone world to capture a one-man weapon of mass destruction. As our heroes are propelled into an epic chess game of life and death, love will be challenged, friendships will be torn apart, and sacrifices must be made for the only family Kirk has left, his crew. Sounds good. Sounds good. I I think that uh, that, that is worthwhile and, yeah. and should be listened to just for the description alone.
2: Especially since you
0: can get it for free on audible.com. That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30 day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've ever to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com Trek FM and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com Trek FM. And we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM.
2: Hey, there's another way that you can. Uh support us. Which what? I think is pretty cool. What's that? That's by uh buying some swag from oh,
3: uh, yeah. the, the
2: store, the new Trek FM store. You got stuff already. I got a hoodie. I got a Trek FM hoodie. It looks so cool. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. They but you can get other things too. So you can get things which are specific to standard orbit. You can get I know. Ninja cat, <laughs> a ninja cat thing, and you can also get a uh, maroon monster t-shirt. Yeah, show your team pride or a sweatshirt or whatever. Did you get anything yet? No, I haven't. Oh my god, it's it's it's, it's cool. I'm debating. You see, it's gone to the point now where I'm like, what do I get? You know, do I get a t-shirt? Because we're going into the middle of winter now, so I'm not <laughs> going to be able to wear t-shirts, right? Right. I and mean, like what kind of t-shirt, what color, what size, <laughs> because their size is all like wonky. Oh, great. <laughs> no, because like they have like different brands. Like, and, right, and, uh, right. You know, like it's, it's they're like buy two sizes too big for the sweatshirts, for the hoodie in, in order, you know, and it's like, wait, no, that, no, well, okay, <laughs> it kind of works that way, sort of, I don't know. So where's that at? It's uh, oh, okay. yeah. Trek a trekfm.link of... dot, dot link slash, slash trekfm Trek store.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Trekfm.link Fm dot link slash trekfm store Yes. And there's, there's a cool the I like the uh the word enterprise. hmm Not the word enterprise. It's it's an enterprise shape with a bunch of words in it. it looks like a cloud tag. Tag yeah. cloud. Yeah, but it's got like it says standard orbit and all the show names and stuff.
3: Mhm. Mhm.
2: There there's some cool stuff and and hopefully hopefully more to come. If there's if there's anything that you want to see, you know, they're they're asking people. They want people to let them know what you want to see so that they can, you know, get on that. Yeah. Yeah. I've been campaigning hard for a citizen Kane of Star Trek t-shirt. <laughs> so we'll see. Let let yeah. them know that you want that for sure. And and get a maroon monster uh, shirt or, or something. I don't know. Yeah. Do you get like the three-quarter sleeve, like the baseball jersey with the maroon monster <laughs> thing? I just don't know. Or a, like, Do a hoodie, like a hoodie. T- like I don't know. Hmm.
0: Find out what kind of combinations you can make there at trekfm.link slash store. Uh, we'd like to thank Richard Rutledge Jr. and Renee Roberts for being our associate producers this week by supporting us on Patreon. Uh, you can find Richard on Twitter at rut8972 and Renee at mres underscore one seven zero one. Yeah, thanks, guys. And if you want to help them, help us keep us in orbit, uh, you can support us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash TrekFM, you'll find a list of donation levels where you can get things like uh exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, access to our project manager, uh previews, all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh or you could be listed as an associate producers and and you could be listed as an associate producer, like like Renee and Richard. Yeah. Uh you'll find out where the donations can go on the site, things like covering the monthly cost of hosting and distribution. Uh, hiring an editor, upgrading our equipment, other cool stuff. Again, that's Patreon.com/slash/TrekFM. So check it out. Next week, the final commentary.
2: Yeah, City on the Edge of Forever. They, you better watch
0: out because it's on the best best right last. on the edge. Yes, it's right. You're gonna fall over. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be great. Oh yeah. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landrum.
3: Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead, walk factor one. Thanks, sir.